Good evening and welcome to the Marseille View. My name's Stefan and tonight I'm joined by Ed, Kontan and Mohammed. Hi guys. Good evening. Hello Hi, everyone. Tonight's show um, will follow much the same format as always, so we'll review last weekend's game against Nantes. We'll look forward to next weekend's match against Strasbourg and we'll discuss any relevant news stories over the last week. And we'll also take a couple of questioners for listeners that we'll try and squeeze in at some point throughout the podcast. So um, last weekend's game, last night, Marseille were up against Nantes at the Stade Velodrome and were defeated 2-1. Um, the game has will, will have huge repercussions in terms of Marseille's season and next season, um, particularly around qualifying for Europe. Um, guys, I want to talk about the game first and then maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what will happen going forward in terms of the result, sorry, in terms of where we finish at the end of the season, but how did you think about the game? Uh, well, it was shite, really. That's all I can say. <laughs> it was just pure shite. And yet again, it's another cock-up. It's another balls-up. But again, we should have never been in this position in the first place. It's simple. What were you guys, any thoughts in the match? I thought it was trash as well. Um, I did say I did say last week that no matter the result, I mean, I think most of us predicted the home win. Um, but if if there was to be a draw or defeat, we'd you know we'd have to only blame ourselves, and that's exactly what happened last night. There was no urgency, there was no impetus whatsoever. I mean, the second half, I think the team just coasted. I think only one or two players, um, Sakai and Ocampos, can. Um, you know, and and Chelatasar as well can really say that um, they've you know done decently and put in a put in a shift to the rest of them. I don't think you know. I don't think any three points are forthcoming. Yeah, I I didn't get it right from the uh, from the outset tactically what we were doing or what Garcia was doing rather. I think we we talked about it on the group chat as well when we saw that um, uh, Germain was on the right wing. And we're all wondering, is that going to be a 4-4-2? Because every, um, every paper was announcing a 4-2-3-1. So having him as a winger were just, just a bit off from the start. Yeah. And then, as you said, there were probably only a couple of players um, that were you know, pulling the, 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 the weight on the pitch, which is the, the two you mentioned. And I think everyone else had an off day, really. And at one point, you expect some changes to be made by the, the coach, and it, it just didn't happen, or it would, wouldn't make sense. Just, yeah. Bit, bit shite, we're completely shite. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you feel that there was any positives to take from the game in terms of like player performances? No. <laughs> um, no, no, absolutely none. Um, like I said, apart from, you know, even, even the players that did do decently, um, the standard was just not enough. And, you know, one, only really the player that I can think of, Shaletta Sar, his, his long defensive balls were, you know, relatively interesting. Um, yeah. Trying to pump the ball up the field, but then of course with Balotelli coming off um, in the first, it was in the first half. Um, you know, without that, without that sort of presence up front, it sort of was meaningless towards the end. Other than that, every other player, there was just nothing to show about really. Well, Kempos did what what he does, just like you know, just running everywhere, just just bringing the shift. Um, which is which is great. I don't think he's the best player in the world. I don't think he's the most technically gifted player, but uh, at least he tries. And uh, another assist last night. And I think if we had eleven players like him, maybe the result would have been different. Um, that's the only one I can I can think of. I think Shalita Shah, as you said, just interesting at the back. Uh, but 
But again, we lost a home game against a, a weak team. So I don't really want to put forward a defender. Uh, maybe in the future, I don't know, he's showing premises. But having said that, he cost us 20 mil. So I kind of expect even better from, from him, considering the price we, we, we pay for him. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think the problem was in, in last night's game? And why do you think Marseille weren't able to... Um, sort of take the match by the scruff of the, 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 the neck. Do you think it was partly because of Nantes and their approach to the game? I know that they, they came out quite physical. Uh, lack of kahunas, as they say in Spain. Um, yeah, we just didn't get... We just didn't get... We, just, we didn't have any enthusiasm. We didn't turn up. We just... We were almost frightened of Nantes because they beat PSG. It's just... I don't know. It just seemed like we were not... We were not able to play the game that we can play on a good night like we did against Gangolp early in the season last night it was shambles really it was like the same old Marseille that we had seen in Dece- in November and December and January it was pathetic it was absolutely pathetic and fair credit to us they played well they saw mm-hmm. our uh, disadvantages and they inherit and they took took them they took the chances that we gave to them we gave them the frigging go Simple as that. Um, I think my view, my opinion is that it's, it's, it, there's sort of it's, it's sort of twofold. Um, first of all, I think that we underestimated Nantes, even though they've obviously claimed a lot of big results recently. Um, and despite obviously being crap this season, our home record is actually not too bad. Um, you know, able to sort of chain wins um, those, you know, 1-0, 2-0 victories, as, as was the case against Bordeaux and San Etienne in February. And you just assumed that, maybe the team assumed that Nantes would be Nantes would be different. And then, obviously, they took a shock lead through a misplaced uh, pass. I think it was from uh, Sanson, who missed the ball. Um, and, then, and then and then just, you know, the, the they get frightened. They get frightened, they're 1-0 down, and all the sort of negativity comes up unable to uh, string two passes together. And it's the same tactics over and over again. Find a player on the wing, uh, make an overlap, cross the ball into the box, but Germain is the only player left and he's hardly going to be uh, superior in the air. And then repeat, repeat, repeat. And then there's no plan B, there's no plan C, there's nothing um, to change. Like There's no plan uh, that's tailored sort of to an opponent. Because you saw for the first half, Nantes clearly wanted to get a player sent off, they almost did, Balotelli should have been sent off, um, mm. you know, they, they, they had a you know, rigid claim, a game plan, you knew exactly what they were doing, they were going to play off the counter, they were going to try and maximise the few chances they, they had, and also get into the faces of OM, they sent something, they sent, you know, a wounded tiger there for the kill, and we just had, had nothing in our arsenal, and then the second point is, I don't know if you saw earlier today, there was an article in RMC, um, about um, sort of just the negativity around the club at the moment and that uh, Frank McCourt had been um, with the players uh, uh, yesterday before the game and just you know, making uh, a statement or a uh, speech to the players that obviously things weren't good enough and that, you know, we we just need to sort of, uh, the players would have to step up the game, you know, respect the jersey and, and push towards the end of the season and then at the end of the season, wherever the team ends up, they'll take stock. And clearly, that had absolutely no effect whatsoever. You know, Frank McCall obviously is the as an owner. You know, I think the only thing that he could you could really blame him is that he's put the trust in the wrong people. And but he's quite you know 
away from the away from the scene. So the one time he does generally turn up and makes a rallying call, it had absolutely no effect, and that's something that worries me as well. That's I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that's a great rallying call. Saying your shit before you go out. I mean that is out of. It's out of a terrible football documentary in the nineties. I mean that is ridiculously. Do you think then, like the the owner shouldn't be coming into the dressing room and talking to the players before games? Because I know no, a, lot, not, a lot of people don't like that. No, not unless it's like a relegation six pointer. I really don't see what the point of Frank McCourt doing in there. He's not a football no, man. I mean, but then Tappy used to do that, and we won the Champions League with him. Yeah, but Tappy was a motivator. McCourt isn't. No, but sort of. Sorry, um, Ed. I think I think the article was saying that I'm not sure it was actually in the stadium just before the game. It was in the training ground, sort of in the afternoon. Um, obviously, obviously, it's, it's just before the game. But I think I, you know, I think um, having the owner who obviously signs off the checks, you know, obviously pays the players. I I can't see anything wrong with him, you know. Obviously, every weekend and changing his opinion from one time to another. But having um, him come in periodically and sort of take stock. He's there for the good moments. Why shouldn't he be there for the bad moments to sort of cheat them up? He's, uh, not mo- he's not a motivator, though. He's not like Tappy, who can motivate his players. McCall is a yes man. And I hate to say it, though, no, I disagree. I don't believe you should do that. But in particular, a vital game like this against Nantes, you may pay the wages, you may pay the coaches. You stay out of the dressing room and let the football people get on with it, no matter how incompetent they are. You let them sort it. This is not your business, Frank. I think you've, you've highlighted one of the main the main flaw of the, the people at the top at the, at the club at the moment, which is the fact there's a lack of football competency. Because Tappy mm. knew about football, and I don't think that McCourt does. I don't think Eero does. And there's a lack of people who come from the world of football, like youth and other people before him that really know the game inside out and what shocked me last night was the lack of concentration as well so the i think that was like four or five minutes into the game there was a camara moment where he just let the, the defender uh, run past him on, a, on an easy ball that could have passed back to mandanda i was just like what's going on and then that the first goal there was a another piece for um side pass from uh, Buenosar to uh, to Gustavo and he feels like the player that the head was not into it uh, in terms of the in terms of the concentration and in terms of the commitment into the game and there was also a lot of space between the lines the lines there were like four people at the front just jogging around there were two two boys in the middle just looking looking completely lost and then there was a, a defensive line that was just staying, staying put and there's just like no connection between them, no no willingness to play for each other, and that that really that really stood out last night. I thought. In terms of the game, like um, one of I think, uh, Mohammed, you picked up on this, and it was just it was something I wanted to talk about was about the Nantes players, just about the diving and the play acting and stuff, particularly in the first half. Um, it was just I found it really really frustrating to watch. Um, I'm sure you guys all did, but I don't. I don't know if you if you think that that really has a has much of an impact on the result or not, but it, to me it felt like it kind of um, it really like disrupted any sort of yeah. rhythm in the game. Yeah, no, it was it was really frustrating to watch, especially I think Diego Carlos, the number three. Oh, uh, 
he was really at the centre of it and just, you know, like with several players um, falling down every opportunity, very weak, wasting time. And then that incident with Balotelli as well. It was very frustrating. I'm sure that the players um, felt that too. I mean, it broke up sort of our rhythm. In the end, obviously, we did equalise in that sort of stormy period, um, you know, midway through the first half. So, I mean, I'm not sure it had too much of an effect. But again... You know, that was the game plan. They're not, you know, Diego Carlos wasn't the only player that was doing it. You know, several players, I think two non-players were booked uh, in the in the first half. Um, so, I mean, that's that's how they set it up. They sense that, you know, we're going to try and break up the rhythm. We don't want to give OM the ball and, you know, sort of let them settle into a, a typical home game where they have 70% possession at home and just let their forwards have free will at our, at our goal. I mean, whether you like it or not, it, it did, you know, it did work. That's that's the main thing, and our players should not have fallen into that trap. Yeah, and just one of the other things I just wanted to um, talk about was the... Um, well, actually, in the first half, um, we had a few chances um, that we didn't take, I guess. I think Germain had a chance that was quite close. I think there was one, sorry, where the, it was... Uh, I think it was Palwa. I almost headed the ball into his own goal as well, and... Um, uh, do you think that um, those missed chances um, were? I guess. Do you think that those missed chances had a would have if one of them had gone in, it would have changed the face, the outcome of the match at all? Or do you think that we were always going to, we were always heading towards a really um, d- disappointing performance? I think it would have changed the way the game would have gone, perhaps, but mm. it would have only been a point. It wouldn't have been free. Uh, we didn't look like winning from the time we went onto the pitch from the dressing rooms. I think whatever the outcome would be, it would be disappointing. In the first few minutes, we knew the the boys weren't ready. The boys were scared. I mean, Kamara nearly scored an own goal himself. So, I mean, who knows what happened if that had gone in. We would have been talking about Kamara's terrible own goal and how the pendulum switched to knots. But... What, what can you say, really? It was just the momentum was never with us, right through word go. Well, it certainly is easier if you go one nil up after ten minutes. But um, yeah, I think I think ninety percent of the the players didn't turn up last night. So they just say you think would have been disappointing, regardless. Would have been a poor win. I mean, we we had the chance, obviously, to go to go ahead after thirty seconds. Um, but then obviously Nantes had a had an equally good chance about a minute later or less than a minute later. Mm. Um, but like I agree with Ed, you know, you can sense it from the beginning, you can sense it from the first ten minutes how sort of the game's gonna go, whether the players are pro or not. I mean if you compare it to the the Gangon game where it took us about seventy minutes to score. Um, but the players had so many chances. I mean, you could sense that a goal was coming, and if that had that game ended nil nil, you would have thought it was just one of those days where you could be out for six hours, sort of peppering shots against the goal. It's not going to go in for you. But last night, it just felt a bit stale right from the beginning. That you know, OM would be sort of mired, um, you know, sort of you know, struggling to break a really stubborn non side who are pretty effective on the counter-attack. And let's face it, they've got really good big game management, as you can see from their results um, over the last uh, three to four weeks. And you could, you know, I think, you know, after about 50 minutes, I think it was pretty clear that there was not going to be a convincing win and any win 
would have been pretty fortunate, I guess. Mm. Yeah, um, I, one of the things that um, I noticed in the game last night was just how physically we just didn't seem to be able to match Nantes and we were losing a lot of 50-50s with them. Do you think that there's a, a problem in the squad that we've got and that they can't match some teams physically? I think it's in the head. I think the problem is uh, of a mental nature as opposed to a physical nature. Um, I was listening to the talk show at Le Fosseur today and there's a guy who's a, a physical trainer for a national team, I can't remember, but um, he said that he didn't, he didn't believe the problem was, was physical. I think we, we're perfectly apt to, uh, to run for 90 minutes. So it seems to be, um, I don't know, that the players don't believe in, in themselves. I agree. I agree. I mean, last season, last season, Owen played uh, 60, 62 games and they looked relatively you know, strong and uh, physical in, um, and matching their opponents right up until May in a long, grueling season with a weaker, with a weaker team, with less players, etc. We're on, I think, 42, if I'm correct. Yeah, 42 games. That's 20 games less than last year, and we're already at the end of April. Um, I, I don't, I just don't buy that. You know, there's sort of physical deficiency. It's just mental fatigue. It's, it could be, you know, described as players not really playing for the manager. I think there's just a malaise, really, and that sort of translates to on the field um, why there's so much mediocrity going on. Mm. Right, and I, I guess that kind of leads me to my next question, which was really about the after the the, the break. We came out in the second half and we really weren't in the game at all, um, in, in the sec- especially in the first sort of 15 minutes of the second half. Um, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but t- I, I, I think I've kinda, there's a pattern there that repeatedly in games in the last few months, we've started the second half very, very poorly and allowed teams either to come back into the game or to take the lead. Do you, have, Is that something that you're aware of, that you've become aware of? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, Gangot, we started terrible in the second half. Santiago, we started terrible in the second half. Nice, we started terrible in the second half. It seems to be a point where we, in the first half, we're very, we feel very content. We're, we're like, okay, this is going to be how it's going to, the result's going to be. Second half, it's just like, they seem knackered. They seem flabbergasted. Their football minds have gone to, sh- gone to shreds. I don't know what team talk Garcia gives to them. I don't That's know what he says. A couple of Ricard. <laughs> yeah, a couple of Ricard, I was going to say that. That, that would probably help a... the motivation, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it certainly would help. Uh, it certainly would help your man out. He'd be running around like a headless chicken. Um, but um, I was going to say a bit Merguez wouldn't do him too badly. Um, <laughs> I just don't know what he get, does to him, but obviously he gives him such a, a, a psyche sapping team talk that they turn up in the second half and they're like forget it let's just play crap and go home and get our paycheck do a crap interview and just we'll do it again next week but second half we just don't turn up it's that's what i picked up on we just give up yeah i think the the fact that the the players who have a reputation for having strong leadership on the bench, I'm thinking about Strickman. I'm thinking about uh, Rami. 
Um, and clearly, uh, the other the other ones have given up on the uh, on the manager. I'm thinking about uh, Mondanda. I'm thinking about uh, Luis Gustavo. I think it doesn't help. I don't know if anything happens during the the halftime talk. If anyone you know stands up and tries to rally the troop kind of thing, but um, yeah, it doesn't seem to be that that motivation within within the squads so where they, you know you look at each other in the eye and just you know say how it is. Uh, I'm not sure that happens. I'm just sure they they're kind of happy to just trot along and and wait for the end of the season. Just going looking at the what well looking at the um, the table as a result of the match, um, Marseille are in fifth place and they are I think five points behind Saint Etienne in fourth place. The the defeat in Nantes seems to more or less confirm that we are well we're probably not going to get European football next season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's 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 over for me. Um, and obviously, with uh, the the cup final ending in uh, Rennes' favour on Saturday, I mean, San Etienne are playing really, really well um, at the moment. I think they've won, I think, all but one or two of their last five, six games. Um, because exactly the sort of form you want to be hitting at the end of the season. I, I sort of did my math because I was hoping to, um, you know, qualify for the Champions League, uh, be as optimistic as I could. Um, and that really relied on OM getting 13 out of 15 points. Um, so winning all the home games, including Leon, and then um, beating uh, Toulouse and drawing at Strasbourg, which was, I think, the most optimistic. But obviously now we started that run with a defeat. I think it's all over, especially Leon coming from behind and winning mm-hmm. late at Bordeaux. For me, it's, it's all over. Mm, yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I didn't think we'd make it in the first place, but um, I was trying to be as optimistic as I could. Um, same as Mo. Um, I think the only good news to take away from that is the fact that that might guarantee that Garcia's out. Um, and I really hope that's the case. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, hold mm. that thought because we're going to talk about Garcia a bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, oh well, no. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the the result, um, you, you you both don't feel you, the three of you don't feel that the Europa League is actually possible either. Um, so what do you think then we're going to be looking at next season? Like what what I mean, what are we going well, to be expecting? I mean, there's there's five points out. There's twelve points to play for, and there's a five point deficit, and there's still. Leon and Strasbourg to come, um, which are two games uh, which I think we can all say there's absolutely little chance we're going to get six points in. Um, and San Etienne have a relatively, I mean, a, a, a relatively uh, average line uh, running. I mean, they've still got to travel to Monaco and they've still got to play Montpellier as well. Um, but the, given the run of their on, um, I just don't see five points. Five points was bad enough to sort of climb above Leon, um, and that didn't happen. I just think it's 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 insurmountable for me. Yeah. Um, well, um, I think it's probably a good time to start talking about the Strasbourg game next weekend. In fact, um, what are your thoughts on next weekend's match? Do you think Marseille can get any points from that encounter? No, I reckon we'll get pumped 3 0 to Strasbourg. Anyone got any other ideas? I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, I mean, historically, ever since Marseille 
you know, back in the days when we were a big team, all the smaller teams have always wanted to beat us. So when whenever they they play against OM, they they play the the best football, you know. And uh, I think mm. for us, it's kind of the other way around. And it's, especially at the moment, it seems all the players have, you know, jumped ship and they just don't want to play. They 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 refuse to turn up. They I don't know, maybe they're scared, whatever the reason is, psychologically, mentally, they're not there. So I expect a loss as well. Um, I hope it won't be 3-0, but I, I can't see us, you know, taking the win. I I, I also, I agree, I'd be very surprised um, if we win, um, which would actually go, I think, some way. I mean, I'm not sure, because um, obviously we play on Friday night and Sanity and play on some... Um, Saturday or Sunday um, and so a win would obviously go some way into sort of uh, putting the pressure back on to San Etienne but you know Strasbourg are, is a difficult place to go for any team um, we saw how Leon and PSG suffered their last season um, and it's their last sort of big assignment they've had a very successful season it's their last big assignment um, of the year you know they're already cup winners they're going to be at home against floundering OM side. And if they beat OM, the fans would obviously see that as a great way to cap off a fantastic year. So I think they'll be really up for it. And they've got a couple of talented players. Uh, um, we struggled there last season. We ended up drawing 3-3. Um, and at this stage of the year, it was always going to be a t- tough place to go. And now since we're on a very poor period, uh, the time sort of is ripe for them to... Pamelas. <laughs> so, what score do you think is going to be, Mohammed? I mean, Balotelli is going to be. I don't think he'll be fit for that. And um, so, without a a good attacking lineup, I probably would go two nil or two one in Strasbourg's favour. They score a lot of goals. They've already scored more than us this season. Um, mm-hmm. They're on fifty-five goals. We've only scored 53, and uh, defensively we are pretty shite. So yeah, it could be it could be a 2-3 goals difference. Actually, going back on what I just said, I'm gonna go with that. It's gonna be a three-nil three-nil defeat. Mm, I mean, it's pretty brutal, and I'm I'm afraid I probably agree with you. Though I think we'll probably get beat about three-one. Um, they are, as you said, Mohammed. I'm sorry, Contan. They they score a lot of goals. Um, uh, they're, they're good going forward, but they're actually also quite solid defensively and they're, they attack really, really quickly. Got a lot of pace, you know, like Lala on the, the, the right wing back. He just bombs forward a lot. Um, I just see them, and can you imagine Lala bombing forward on the right? And if we are playing, pro, hopefully Sakai and not Amavi on the left, but because I, I, I could imagine us really suffering, um, getting caught out a lot in the counter attack and. Um, yeah, having a bit of a an, an awful night, especially seeing as like our morale must be at an absolute all time low. Well, lowest it's been probably this season after last um, last night's game because you, you 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 can imagine that the players are probably feeling that the season's over more or less, and the feeling feeling that they've got very little to play for for the mm. remainder of the season. Spending the holiday. <laughs> More, yeah, I mean, maybe some players that might be thinking about playing, well, trying to put themselves in the shot window, um, especially like Tovan, for example. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts playing well that 
or making a bit more effort in the last few games because he's trying to earn himself a move. Um, yeah, so I think with that we'll probably move on to the news stories. There's quite a, a lot going on in the last week, so it's been a really busy week for Marseille, both on and off the pitch. Um, now, I think first we'll just talk about probably the, sto- well, the story that's probably got the most sort of coverage in, in the last few days, um, and especially around Twitter, and it's around the comments that Ero has made. Um, he made a few quite quite humorous and interesting comments about football um which has i guess has not done his um public image any good in terms of well particularly in the in the football sphere um so just to to go over what he actually said um, i'm not going to comments in front of me but i'll kind of paraphrase him and if if i'm wrong please correct me but um the first thing that he mentioned, well, that we're going to talk about is that he talked about um, OM having lots of competitors. Um, so he talked about some clubs like Leon, Ren, PSG, but he also started saying that OM are in competition with Netflix and Fortnite and various companies like that that aren't football related. Um, though, and the second comments were about, well, he he mentioned he talked about the fact that there was. Um, a mode, a game mode in FIFA 19 where you can get two point, two goal, two points for scoring a goal outside the box. Um, what did you guys make of Ero's um, interview and, and remarks? Can I go first? <laughs> you go. Uh, it's another brick in the Marseille banter era wall. It's um, it's farcical. I mean. This guy isn't on The Apprentice. He hasn't got Lord Sugar <laughs> staring down the side of him. This is football, John Henry. If you want to change it, go to FIFA. Don't make blasphemous comments on in the public eye looking like a complete dickhead. You know, from what I can sense, I think my grandfather, who hasn't watched a Premier League game in 20-odd years, would know more about football than you. Let's be honest, our competitors are not Netflix and not Fortnite. Netflix and Fortnite are reliable. We're not. <laughs> also, the fact of the matter is, if you want to play FIFA and you want your two-goal system, that's fine by us. Just don't bring in the foot in real-life football, because then it will look incredibly stupid, and the games will turn into something like an NBA match. So, stick suggestions right up your arse, John Jack. <laughs> Honest to God, this is pathetic. Jack Henry, sorry. Stick them up your backside, send them back to the back to the ballroom and leave them there. Stay out of football matters. I was hoping you'd have plenty to say about that, Ed. Um, <laughs> what about you guys? Um, do you, are you as annoyed about those remarks as, as Ed is? Or do you think that um, they've been taken out of context or that maybe... Um, Ero's actually Ero's actually got a point. Oh, um, as much as I'd love to uh, follow Ed in um, going a bit nuts about the comment, I mean, I mean, take just taking his words, um, you know, at face value. I mean, you could, you, you, you I, I can see where he's coming from. I mean, innovation in football is always going to be a perennial issue, and um, thinking about. 
you know, how to improve the game and new ideas. I mean, it's probably, I mean, people obviously, and a lot of people have obviously mocked the president and um, even in the wider European football sort of scene, have sort of um, looked at his comments with a, a raised eyebrow and a bit of a smile. But, I mean, you can put his comments in the same box as the people that invented the golden goal rule um, a couple of years ago. And look how that turned out. They actually used it in uh, major finals before it was phased out. Uh, so, at, at, you know, taking his comments at face value, you, you know, I, I, I don't mind him thinking um, sort of outside the box or whatever, but the criticism comes from the, the optics at his comment, you know, especially when his club um, mm. are sort of well outside, you know, where they should be. Um, you know, you just don't make those comments. The main focus, whatever, I mean, whatever he's doing in his personal life, that's his job. I mean, you know, whatever conference he's going to and whatever things he wants to speak about. But the optics, uh, it just looks bad at the moment. I mean, the people that are talking about changing the game, I mean, you had the the Champions League reforms of who should qualify what in the Super League. They, those come from the big clubs. They've got their league title already sewn up. They can they can obviously afford to talk about other things as much as they want, you know. It just looks so bad considering that people already accused him of not being uh, very knowledgeable in football matters, um, and it's just that you know the 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 aura of that he's more suited to Silicon Valley than the Stade Velodrome, you know. And it's just it just doesn't look good at the moment. And I wish that he he hadn't he hadn't made his comments and that. We just, I think, I think everybody in the club just sort of needs to humble themselves a little bit to understand that, mm. you know, focus on the field, focus on building mm. internally than projecting externally. I was just, can I, can I add some, can I add one more thing? I do apologize for saying <laughs> stick it up your ass, but <laughs> right, if can you imagine, I can imagine Raymond Goffles right now in a grave in Belgium spinning, <laughs> spinning all over the place. This is. Just, it's illogical. I'm sorry, I can't agree with it. I can't agree with the comments that saying that our competitors are Fortnite. I just don't see it. I just don't get it, and I don't mm. know why he even said it. Yeah, sorry. I mean, what, one of the things that I'm just amazed at is that he might have actually played FIFA 19. I just can't really imagine him. Doesn't seem like the type, you know. Like he seems so far removed oh, you'd be from surprised. football. That <laughs> may, he may, seems very on the ball. <laughs> I just think he seems well lately. Anyway, he just seem it's become more more apparent that he's quite far removed from football. You know, um, he is. Yeah, and I think I might have been a little bit sucked in, but well, I believed what I wanted to believe for the sort of first year or so, and I thought I, mean, he, I thought it was great. But everybody, everybody sort of saw, um, you know, he anybody anybody who might have walked in was much better than Anson Lebrun. I guess so. I mean, you'd be surprised if if you felt a bit naive. I mean, you could we can excuse you if you felt a bit naive. I think we all did at one point, um, and even up until last year, you know, when things were going good. Uh, I mean, I I like sort of what the club is doing outside of the field. I'm trying to grow internationally and all of those sort of things, the so things that we didn't have before to mirror of what should be a 21st century modern club with a fan base across the world. That's great. Um, but the fact of the matter is that you also need to continue growing on the field. I mean, that's the only way you can grow the fan base. Yeah, completely. Exactly. I mean, just because you're doing all these good things does not 
preclude you from actually investing and ensuring that the playing staff and the playing side of the operation side of things are going very, very well. Because until that, I mean, if that's not going well, I think you should sort of halt everything else because the two go hand in hand. Yeah. Contam, what were your thoughts about um, Errol's comments? Um, I think... uh... I think Ed and Mum both made very good points, but I think as a Marseille fan, you can't help. I don't feeling really pissed off with with the guy's comments. I um I was talking to my to my brother about, it and uh, he's he's under the impression that Errol might suffer from depression, and uh, that explains a lot of his recent comments. It's just like he's completely lost the plot, and uh, he's talking out of his ass. But uh, it's just like his timing. It's, it's, it's poor, really. I mean, he couldn't have said these things at that at worst possible time. I mean, it's just if the team is performing as it is now, or underperforming rather, just concentrate on football. I want a president that can put his hand up and say, We've made mistakes, but we're going to sort it out. And instead of that, he's doing all these TED talks where he talks about a topic that he knows nothing about, because clearly he knows nothing about football and making all these this crazy statements. It's not what we want to hear from him. We want to hear him talk about the club. We want to hear him say that he's going to fire Garcia and, you know, and the future is looking brighter. And that didn't happen. So he talked about something that's completely ludicrous. So there you go. Pissed off as everyone else, I suppose. Yeah, and it kind of, it kind of just feels like Marcy's is in the fan. So Marcy, it's just not the kind of club where you can get away with talking that kind of shite, you know. Um, I just don't think it really, it really set, it really flies with the with the OM fans. They're quite pure, purest football fans, and I, I don't. And as a city as well, it's not the kind. I don't. I've never found Marcy to be the kind of place where they are going to people are, are going to humour someone who's a bit of a bullshitter, you know. Um, and I, do you think that? Um, one of the the issues, though, about this is that, um, well, this about the way his comments have been um, sort of ridiculed online and stuff. Is do you think that it's possible that maybe they've kind of been blown out of proportion, though, a little bit as well? Of course, of course. I mean, I can, like I said in my part. I mean, first of all, when I heard it, I thought you know W two F sort of thing. Um, but then again, once you look at it deeply, I mean, so many people talk about innovation in football. It's just that I wish it didn't come from us at, at this time. Uh, if it was a close season, for example, if it happened last year after the Europa League final, I mean, people are still on a high. Talk about what you want. I don't care. But given that right now we should all be sort of in crisis mode and fo- the one focus should be on righting the wrongs and fixing the cracks and whatnot. It just was very bad timing and the optics look mm. awful. But then again, everybody, there's so many club presidents, agents and whatnot who talk about, you know, development in football, innovation, green and yellow card, you know, like the green cards, etc., sim bins and, and other stuff. You know, obviously he's free as an individual in a high position within the football industry to talk about that. But there's a time and a place, I feel. Yeah. Okay, and I think with that, we'll yeah. sort of we'll finish up on that topic. Um, there is another um, topic that's come up in the last week as well, not football and matter, which has also um, made the headlines and not for the, all the best reasons. And it's related to uh, some comments from Pamela Anderson, um, who is, as we, we all know, is the partner of Adil Rami. Um, and they, I think they attended a, a fundraising auction 
um, to raise money for um, well, it's related to the it was I think it was organised by the OM Fondation, and it's to raise money for um, Marseille youth and I guess in deprived communities. Um, and there was an issue about one of the items in the auction. I think it was a guitar from Bruce Springsteen that was donated, and it went up for auction for I think hundred thousand euros. I might be incorrect. Correct me if I'm wrong. And but that that one item was actually auctioned um, to raise money for uh, Notre Dame uh, Cathedral. Now she came out after the the auction. I think she left the event. She stormed out quite angry, and then she she wrote on she posted on Twitter like just you know criticizing the club um for f- you know for um auctioning off that item for for that cause when it sh- should the the event was for it was for raising money for um you know um young people in in in, impo- in Marseille, impo- yeah. yeah in Marseille and impoverished communities um. Now, after that as well, I think the club responded to Pamela Anderson and they, they released a statement and it was kind of quite... It wasn't maybe in the best with the most of class, I think. Um, Spitty. Yeah, they made a comment about how Pamela Anderson hadn't herself donated any money or any items to to the, to the, to the cause. Um, what did you think about that whole sort of... Um, Palava, I guess. I in think the last it's week. brilliant. From Pamela uh, Anderson. From Pamela Anderson, I think it's brilliant. I think there should be more people with a large audience that do that do what she did. Um, I mean, I know it's a football podcast, not a political podcast, but when I see the amount of money, I, and by no means did I want the the cash door to go down in flames. But when I see the amount of money that was donated and uh, the very short amount of time was donated in. Uh, it makes me think that you know poverty globally is is a choice really is something that could be that could be fixed very quickly and the fact that she highlighted that is is pretty impressive as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, perhaps Pamela should change her name to Che and call her Che Anderson in honour of Che Guevara. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I I could I actually agree with her because it was supposed to be an auction for the youth. The items should have been all uh, auctioned for the youth, not just everything bar one. In case the Marseille ownership has not been in Marseille that much, I don't suspect they have, they probably spent most of their time in Paris, uh, there's a lot of poverty in Marseille. A lot of council states, a lot of banyus that are, are rife with poverty. I mean, Zidane came from one. And it seems that although the people... Have, the city of Marseille can sit on its hands and do nothing. We as a football club, which can bring change to these young people's lives, should do something about it. And the fact that we are going to say, right, a cathedral's burnt down, all but this item, this guitar, um, we're not going to give the funds to the youth. I'm sorry, but pe- people who were much richer, who donated about $100 million, $100 million euros, to the rebuilding of the Notre Dame, I don't see why we should chuck every chuck some more money at it. We're a football club. We're not a charity. And I feel that Pamela Anderson has every right to go out and angry storm off. I would. I would. I believe it's disgraceful. And the club released a statement that I thought was absolutely disgusting. Mm. It was It was very, you could almost use the word like mansplaining in a way. It was very like, oh, you, 
Didn't you used to be in Baywatch? Eh, I'm not going to listen to you. It's pathetic. And Pamela has a right to be angry. And really, should be more condemnation. It's another PR own goal from Marseille again. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly why I wanted to talk about it, Ed, was just mostly from the point of view, from looking at it from about how the club actually, well, how they responded to the issue and just how bad of a PR blunder this whole thing's been. It's just, it's not been a good week at all, is it, for the club and its image? It just seems to be we're making a lot of, well, re- repeatedly making a lot of, like, kind of poor sort of communications in, in public. Would you not agree? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still self-inflicted again, you know, um, and this is not through, um, you know, this is things that you can easily avoid. I mean, I agree with a lot with uh, the other two guys said. I mean, the the foundation exists to bring social, uh, to make a social commitment to the city of Marseille. Um, and that's actually one of the good things that Frank McCourt and the ownership have done since um they bought the club was to create a foundation to help the young people. Now, obviously, what happened in Paris is obviously very bad. Um, but before the you know the foundation gala happened last week, by which point nearly a billion euros had been had been um, raised. Um, it's not exactly um, an urgent appeal anymore. Um, so why shouldn't I mean this, the the club exists uh, as a as a local. Uh, you know, as, as basically as an ambassador of of the city, um, and these sort of uh, foundations exist to help create sort of social change within the city, and that should be for the sole reason uh, that funds should be raised. I mean, I don't really quite see the link between Marseille and the Cathedral of Notre Dame, um, and if 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 the if the if the owner or if anybody else wishes to make a private donation out of their own funds, that's absolutely fine. But to sort of make, to sort of get into a necessary feud with Pamela Anderson, who obviously clearly is in the right. I mean, the vast majority of people can see that, um, that she absolutely had a point to, to create um, this sort of, and they could have just been silent about it. But I think, you know, like, like oh well uh, that's her opinion but well, we don't need to sort of get involved I mean even though she's obviously in the right but just to sort of ignore it might have seemed the, the best option it wasn't exactly a pressing issue um, but so to create that it's one thing to 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 uh, create the environment where she feels pissed off and it's another to sort of amplify and that's just one thing that OM have been doing I feel recently is just amplifying issues I mean uh, where they just don't need to be done. I mean, it's just really, really unnecessary, especially, uh, like I said, we, uh, we, with the Irish comments, at a time when the focus should be on the playing staff mm. and getting results and figuring out, you know, the main issues about the playing staff, contracts, finances, what are the plans, what is the strategy for the summer. These are the pressing issues, you know, not golden goals, two goals, you know, feuds with 90 stars, <laughs> you know. Hmm. Right. Okay, I think, yeah, we've probably said all we need to say about that for, for now. Um, and just because there's a few other um, stories I want to, to talk about before we finish. Um, so one of them was the, which I guess is some positive news this week, is that one of the um, players from the youth team, Alexandre Flipponeau, 
has signed his um, first professional contract with the club. He's a player that I think we talked about once in an episode before in the podcast. Is I think we marked him out as a potential um, young player that could um, progress into the first team. Um, this is quite good news, isn't it, to see m- more young players um, produced from the club getting being offered contracts and hopefully getting a, a chance to to play with the club first team level don't you this, agree? this should be good news and and it to some extent it is um because it's sort of the first uh major sort of i mean i mean so a couple of players have gone pro like christopher rockier and stuff um in the last sort of year or two but they haven't been played mm. uh, and they've been shipped out on loan use of star is obviously another one who's come back and is back in the reserves um but um Obviously, the time. I mean, I think uh, while it's great to have a young player going pro, and it's also good to sort of amplify, uh, you know, the quality in the youth team. I think um, the time is right for him to be uh, thrown into the deep end. I mean, if OM don't have anything play, uh, anything to play for in the last couple of um, games, why not? Absolutely. Yeah, I would really like to see. Um, him and maybe a couple of other players. I think Nkunku is one that's been talked about. I don't see mm. why why we couldn't play them for the rest of the season. Are they are they good enough for, for League One? I mean, I was we'll find out, about, won't we? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a couple of my friends who go to a lot of the the Master Youth Team games, and they they said that although it's good at that level, is not quite cut for League One. Yes, and Which it one? might it might never be. Uh, f- um, uh, Alex Alexandre Filippano, um, the guy who just signed the contract, the, the, yeah, yeah. the young kid. Yeah. Yeah. He said he's not he's not quite good enough. I mean, he, he works hard. He's a good team player, but he lacks the, the talents. He doesn't have enough talent to be to be League One. And it seems to be the case, as Mo just said, we've signed a lot of young players, and we haven't played them. So I just wonder whether. What the strategy is? Is it a message for like future young prospects to join the club in the hope that they can they almost guarantee the contract if they play well enough? But then, then again, if we don't play them, then why why, why would they choose us, right? It's just I don't know. It's just a bit weird. We 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 don't have we have currently have a left back with with rubbish, and we have this young guy who's now alone at social Rokia, and everyone say he was a he was a a, a crack, uh, as they say. And yet we never played him. I just thought, what's the point of you know signing him if you're not going to play him then? Mm. So do you think then that signing um, a youth player like uh, Flipono is um, potentially um, just like well, it could be like a tokenistic move from the club then, just to just to be able to to show that they are signing young players, but but it's really just about the you know the the image that it puts out to other players rather than with the intention of playing them is that what you're suggesting yeah because i don't i don't really see a strategy there i think that's the only reason that i can i can find for it because uh it's, we're already a bit stuck in the midfield we have you know too many many players for the number of positions we have so i don't see him getting getting a start anytime soon uh, not this season this season not the next so i don't i don't really understand what the strategy is yeah Okay, anyone else get any thoughts about that before we move on? No. Okay, right. So, um, another area worth looking at this week was just the number of transfer links that have sort of been floating around the press. Um, 
now we're not going to cover them all, but just a couple of them worth mentioning. So one of the ones that's sort of um, come up and it's come it's come up a few times in the past, which is um, Morelos, um, Colombian striker, plays for Rangers in Scotland. Um, is that a player that that interests you at all? One that you would like to see Marseille make a move for? Oof, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think he's a bit of a he's a bit of loose cannon, and that's what I would be really worried about. Good player, but how many red cards is he going to get off? Is he going to get more reds than his goals? That's what I would be worried about. I mean, yeah, I agree. He's a bit of a bit of a nutcase in, in in Scotland, but I mean, he seems to be doing really well. He's got a good attacking profile, and you know, but quite uh, quite a good age. Um, if, if for a good price, I think it's it's a punt worth having um, to have as a second option. Them, I don't know exactly how much I think Rangers would be expecting quite a decent fee for him, especially because there are other clubs in England that would be interested as well. But it's one of those, uh, I think, profiles that if you can get at a really good price, why not? I think Marseille can be a very good environment for uh, nerd cases, actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Mario Balotelli's doing all right, isn't he? So. Exactly, Balotelli. I mean, Joey Barton loved the club, didn't he? So, uh, I mean, why not? I'm just not sure how good he's going to be. Uh, to be completely honest, I haven't seen him play. Um, but I know the Scottish League is quite it's quite weak. It's probably the equivalent of League Two, I would say. Um, We've seen the the striker from uh, the Celtic with joined Leon Dembele. Mm-hmm. He hasn't. I mean, he's not the worst, but he hasn't. You know, he hasn't banged as many goals as he used to in the Scottish league. So I just again, it depends on the price tag on him. I say, why not? I don't really want Balotelli to stay, but that's personal. So as a replacement, why not? I don't know. I don't know much about the guy, but I would say the fact he's a nutcase is a positive for me. I mean, just to, to add to that, I, I personally, I think Dembele, I thought he's done pretty well at Leon, but I don't think he's played a lot. He's not started a lot of the games, but he seems to have, you know, come up with important goals and stuff, and he is a good player. Um, I, Morelos, I, I'm personally, I don't really, I haven't really seen him, I don't, really, I don't follow Rangers, but I'm told that he's got a lot of potential, so, I mean, he could be an interesting player, but he's, it looks like Rangers are going to want a lot of money for him, in which case it seems more likely that if he does move on, he'll probably move um, south of the border into the Premiership. Um, but yeah, like, so a couple other players as well um, sort of been linked with us in the last week. Um, surprising, actually, a couple, a couple of the names that have been popped up. So one of them was Stephen Nzonzi. Um, and I'm assuming it was really probably because, well, in the last couple of weeks, we talked about how Luis Gustavo had been linked with a move away. I mean, otherwise I can't really see any other reason why we would be targeting a player of that kind of position and style, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say so? Uh, so I mean, and Zonzi is obviously a very decent player. He um, done did really well um, last last season, especially, I think, second half in the World Cup final, put in uh, you know, a really, really good performance. Um, but considering sort of the fees, I think I'd love to sort of dream about who would be a really good alternative to Luis Gustavo. I, I, I don't think we'd be able to get him um, for a cheap price um, and the salary that he'd be on just makes it a non-start. I mean, we're not a Champions League club, we're not a Europa League club, uh, more or less anymore. So mm-hmm. that's really gone out the window. Yeah. What, worries, what worries me as well, he's 30. And we have a constant policy. We just keep 
get these 30-year-olds on a conveyor belt. We don't know what we're doing. It's just, I, I know he's a decent player. I watched the World Cup final when he, he was against Croatia and he was really good. But he's 30. I mean, look at the success we've had with 30-year-olds now in Marseille. Do we really want another one? And with the salaries and transfer fees, it's another one that could be chucked in the bin and forgotten about. Well, you know, again, it's all about the environment. I think Marseille is a nice place to retire. You know, you're just going to cash in a lot of money. Can retire in two, three years time. You can buy a nice villa in Cassie and see a lot of rosé in the evening, and and that's that. Think what that's what they all think. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be quite happy with that kind of signing if he was on a, available on a free transfer or something. You know, you would happily snap him up um, for a couple of seasons. Um, but it just it doesn't doesn't really make much sense, does it? To well, I well, it's hard to imagine that we could have we could afford to to buy a player him right now, and um, especially as you said, man, we're not playing not going to be playing European football next season so you, I mean you can't really imagine he, he would want to come anyway but um, similarly um, player of quite a similar stature Marcus Rojo um, from Man United has also been linked more than, the reason I know the reason why I'm, I, I bring this up because I know it seems really silly and far-fetched as well but it's a rumour that's popped up several times in different outlets in the last couple of weeks um, are your thoughts on this one at all similar? Yeah I think still the same yeah. um, this is a again this is the reason why these sort of rumours pop up because it sort of makes sense on paper um, club a, a guy who's not playing for a massive club takes a step down at a club who are either looking for experience and you know they're looking to get it to another stage in the European competition or or, or whatnot. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, this time last year, if you told me that Rojo is not playing at Man United, would like to go to OM. I mean, obviously the club just may play the European final. They want to go into the Champions League. It sort of makes sense. And obviously Lyon are also a club that are, you know tracking or reportedly tracking uh, United defenders. But again, yeah. look at the position we are in today. It just no longer. It's just not something feasible anymore. So as much as I'd love to talk about the pros and cons, it's just not a practical solution. Repeat the same phrase that I just gave a few seconds ago. Another 30-year-old, another old signing, another man who couldn't cook, cooked it. Um, yeah, chuck in the bin. Don't bother. We don't need another Adil Rami in this club. Forget it. I don't want Marcus Rowe, to be honest. I think he's, he's been a liability for Man United. He's been around the woodwork like a nasty smell and I don't really want him coming here and just just get a few just get a nice big paycheck having a lifetime supply of rosé and a pizza truck outside the mansion I just don't see the point don't bother with him okay. are you agreeing with that content I do agree completely too too old too expensive okay right so um lastly then there was one other link that came up with player I'd never heard of playing in Argentina for, I think, gym, Gymnasia, Jan Hurtado. I don't know if anyone, he's just a young striker, I think like only like 19 years old. I don't know if anyone had a chance to, to check him out and see if he was any good. I've just seen a, um, a video link to one of his tricks uh, during the game. He's by the, by the sideline, he does that amazing trick, but that's that's all I know about the kids, to be honest, so I can't, I can't really comment. Yeah. What were you guys saying? No, no, I've never heard of him. Major comment. Yeah, uh, but again, if if it's if it's the result of decent scouts, I don't know his record in the top division in Argentina, but if it's worth uh, a punt like Guido Carrillo from Monaco a couple of seasons ago, obviously he didn't turn out too well. But if it's a, a, a well initiated uh, scouting mission, 
fair enough. Um, we'll see how that goes on. I just, I think, looking at our transfer record, if he's not 30 and if he's not expensive, <laughs> I'd be surprised if we do end up going for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a look at, he only scored two goals in 17 appearances this season, which isn't great, but he is only 19. Um, but I did, uh, I, I had a look at a video, just, I mean, you can't really tell much from YouTube clips, but mm. he, didn't, he didn't look that great, to be honest, in the video. But, then there's a part of me that kind of feels like, well, we should be looking for these kind of little, like, you know, bargain sort of gems where we can, you know, and if we've got the right scouts in place and they can spot a player, then why not, If he, and especially if he's cheap. Um, and one thing I definitely feel is, like, up front, providing Balotelli stayed, um, we've got Balotelli and Germain and in G, none of us like in G, right? And when Balotelli's not there, we, we play Germain up front. Germain can't, you know, he's not really an out-and-out striker, so it would be good to have another option, someone who can play through the centre, even if it is a young player who's raw. Um, so I'm kind of like, I'm happy to see those kind of rumours, you know, about us looking to bring in, you know, little players here and there that might add something, you know? I think I agree with that. We all, as fans, think we all want to have sort of young and cheap South American football players that Zuby magically pulls out of his hat, you know. So yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. Um, even if even though I don't I don't know the case, if it turns out to be, you know, a happy surprise, and why not? If we don't have to pay too much for him, then yeah, by all means, we should go for it. Yeah, let's give it a shot. Okay, so um, just. Before we finish off, I just got a couple of questions that were posted in on Twitter from listeners. I just want to put through you and then we'll, we'll wrap it up for tonight. So um, the first one is from Jan. It says, who would be your dream coach for you? And he says, and I, I mean, semi-real candidates, not like Guardiola or Klopp. Oh dear, you've given us a tough question. Uh, you know what? You know what? You know what? For shits and giggles, let's have Arsene Wenger. Let's see what can happen. <laughs> That's it's never going to happen. He hates Marcin. <laughs> yeah, he does. He he hates. Uh, um, I I I don't know. I I would like. Um, I mean, there's not really many decent coaches available at the moment on the market. Um, but I would. I would think now's the time to um, branch out outside France. I mean, looking at. You know, our coaches have done a really decent job in Germany and Italy and in Spain for sort of like uh, mid-table clubs as well. I think I think the French model didn't work. I think the the the, the, the idea that oh, you must the next coach must speak French is so important. Um, yeah, we, Rudy Garcia was hired as one of the, you know, the, the best of French managers and he's that's gone completely to pot. I'm just hoping for a well thought out manager with an attacking style of play, whoever that is. I think that's up to for them to decide. Okay, what about you? I like to have the um, Atal- uh, what's um, Atalanta's manager. What's his name? G- Gian Perini. Gian Perini. Oh really? You like? Him? Yeah, they play. I think they play. Gr- they play grand- great football. I think it's it's realistic, and I like to see him. If not, I like to have someone like Gabby Heinze. I don't know uh, what what type of football he gets. His, his team to play but um, I like him as a character I think he's got the cojones that are lacking currently um, and I think he's the kind of manager that uh, if, he, if he tells a player to run um, the player's going to be scared for his life and he's you know, going to run up and down the pitch so yeah 
one of one of these two would be good options. What about um, what about Slavin Bilic? I don't think he'd do a bad job. No, I, I liked him at West Ham for sure. Yeah, I don't think he'll do a bad job either. Um, it can't be any. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect him to be any worse than Garcia. What about uh, Bielsa? Do you think it's realistic after what happened this weekend? Uh, well, that they, was what I was going to say. Um, yeah. and he would be my choice because I, I'm a big <laughs> oh, fan. I love him back. Uh, yeah, just I absolutely loved it when he was here. But um, I just I, I don't. I know that it's never a good thing for second spells with managers. It, it rarely ever works. But and I can't really see um, Bielsa and Ero um, working together. <laughs> But um, hundred percent not. Nah, but then he worked with LeBrun. Well, it didn't work out, I guess, did it? But um, LeBrun wasn't, you know, he was a bit of a an idiot as well. But um, yeah, he would be my my dream choices. Um, but um, I mean, otherwise, if we had the um, the right project with the right sort of finances behind us, obviously, I'd love to see Zidane one day in the future. But not obviously, that's not a realistic candidate mm. right now. Um, I think um, in terms terms of a realistic one, uh, I mean, maybe it isn't very realistic. But I'm thinking uh, Conceição from Porto is is done all right, isn't he? And he did he did okay at Nantes before, and he's managed in Belgium and played in Belgium. He speaks French, if that's important to you, um, and. He's he's done okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm I don't know enough about him, but it's just an it's an idea. Um, hindsight, I, I, I really don't know. I don't follow Argentinian football other than that he's a an ex OM player. I don't really know if he's a good manager or not. So um, I'll be dreaming of Bielsa though. <laughs> um, yeah, and so there was um, another question as well. Um, it was sent in from John, and it says, um, "Can we go on with Garcia?" But with a different set of players. No, no, no. We're all, we're all in agreement that um, Garcia is yeah. the, the the problem, not the players. No. Yeah, no. I think I think first of all, um, he had his chance. I mean, he came in as manager of a brand new project um, of, and he. I think if you look at it, he had uh, many advances that most other managers don't have. I mean, very few managers get to experience the start of a new project with a new owner. Of an of a white check almost, uh, or blank check rather, of um, um, of being able to uh, obviously not spend crazy amounts, but to sort of shape who he wants to bring in and work with a team. I mean, even McCourt and I rode right at the beginning in 2016-17 said, oh, "It's up to the coach. We're going to trust the coach." McCourt said, uh, "You know, they're the football people." Um, we'll see. And obviously, Iroad not coming from a football background would, you know. Listen to uh, Garcia and Zuba Zaretta. Um and, and maybe, I think many people can sort of suggest or deduce that um, Zuba Zaretta's uh, ideas may not have actually come through because some of the choices were either vetoed by the by the manager. And if you look at our transfer record, um, you know I, I mean I don't know who's responsible for the signing of Luis Garcia, uh, Luis Gustavo, um, but that, I think it's the only major decent signing we've, we've done in two and a half years and we spent close to 150 200 million euros okay all right any so thoughts on that been... guys no yeah, agree. yeah agree yeah. completely so yeah 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 okay he had, he had a chance he fucked it up he needs to go that's it okay uh, do you want him to go yeah uh is the pope a catholic of course <laughs> i do want him to go over i am um, 
I'm done with him. I've, I felt we were going somewhere uh, the first two seasons in the Europa League, but now I've seen the light and I feel that Rudy really should just be said, look, thanks for getting us to the Europa League final, but in the end, we got hammered and we got embarrassed. So, thanks for nothing, mate. On to your next job, maybe somewhere like in China or in the MLS where you belong. Um, we need some more fresh and Garcia is as fresh as rotten meat. Um, and I would like him out the door as soon as possible. I mean, it would be lovely if the, the Marseille players could just put in a lack of effort and just get him fired before even the last game of the season. You know, that would be the biggest blessing we'd get so we could start fresh early. But of course we won't. So... Well, if you lose against Leo, you never know. I know. I don't know. I, he's, he's, not, he's not the worst manager we've had. I mean, I can remember Michelle was absolutely diabolical. Mm. But he's just a road police his level and he just can't get above now, it. This, this is also just one thing, one thing I want to stick in there, obviously with Michelle uh, being mentioned. Um, obviously, the season three seasons ago was absolutely diabolical and really, really poor. Um, but we didn't lose as many games as we did this season. <laughs> and we we just draw and draw and draw um, home and away. So I don't know. I mean, Garcia is one thing. Okay, I agree he's not the worst manager in the world. I just think that his ideas are not being translated. And maybe it is the players. Maybe that they've sort of grown tired of him or unable to play for him. Maybe it's a, maybe not a 50-50 blame, but there's definitely some blame to be proportioned uh, to, to the players. I just think it's not a relation that's working anymore, basically. No, I think I think there needs to be a complete clear out. To be brutally honest with you, player and manager, I don't think it's. I will agree with you. I don't think it's just. Uh, it's just Garcia. Garcia is just the unfortunate ringleader of the idiots, mm. and it's and it seems. Actually, no, I retract idiots, um, clowns, who just. I don't think we've we still got some of the caucus from. The LeBrun days, and I think they're rotting even quicker than they did under Michel and uh, early days of Frank Passy. It's it's time for complete clear out, start fresh, get the youth in, and hopefully we can start getting near the Champions League where we haven't been in six years. A club of our stature, who has won the Champions League, I may add, the fact we haven't been in the Champions League is pathetic. It's a mm. disgrace and an embarrassment. For the great history this club has produced, particularly in the early 90s, where we were the cream of the European crop, to not even be in the Champions League group stage is disgraceful. And it's an embarrassment. It's a, it's a kick in the face to Marseille Sports. It's a pie in the face for the players. It's a pie in the face for the management. It's a pie in the face for Mr Tappy's re- legacy. It's, it's farcical. We haven't been there. And if you think about it, City, you know, Really, when we were winning European trophies, City were in the doldrums. Now look at how the tables have turned. City are one of the premier teams in Europe, and we're struggling to even beat bloody nonce. It just shows how badly football changed at times. It also shows that Garcia and co. have masterminded a, just a mediocre culture in this in City. And in, that is all I've got to say, really. And that's how I would like to remember Rudy Garcia, the maintainer of the mediocre culture. Right. Um, yeah, really good point. Um, I think with that, we'll probably finish up tonight. Um, just say thank you for the, the those listeners that sent in the questions. Um, yeah, thank you very much, guys, for taking part tonight. Cheers. No problem. Thanks. Pleasure. Thanks, everyone.
Okay, and um, thank you all for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or um, or any other app that you're following us on. Thank you.